filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster this weekend, I decided to punish myself, and that is run 13.1 miles uh, on Saturday morning with my lovely wife. But that wasn't the punishment part, obviously. The punishment was running 13.1 miles. Good save, buddy. I started the run feeling good. The first uh, six or so miles, I was like, Maybe I'll do another half marathon next year. This is fine. Well, I, what was I worried about? And then mile seven happened, and I was like, huh, that's not great. <laughs> and then I got to mile eight. Like, right when I hit mile eight it was when I had the realization, I have another five miles to go, and I've already <laughs> been running for an hour and a half. And so by the time I ended my half marathon, which I did complete at least. So bully on that, apparently. Uh, I, I, I don't think I'm going to be running another one next year. It was <laughs> two and a half hours of, well, it was, like I said, an hour of this is fine. Then 20 minutes of what am I doing? And then another hour of this is terrible. I did see a picture of you and your wife after the the run that was posted to Facebook and your wife looked like she was ready to run another half right away. I don't know if she actually was, but in the picture, she looked fine. You looked dead. Yeah, that's about I'm, right. I, I was, th- I was thinking you're, this in my, you're still I, with I, us. Yeah, I was thinking this in my mind. Like my dear, my lovely wife, she's at this point a much better endurance than I am. I can and endurance in the in whatever sense. Um, I could probably beat her in a 10K. I'm probably faster at that. But she's better at like actually being dedicated to training for longer runs. And so, yes, she did beat me in this half marathon by this, a good five minutes. This sounds like a good explanation. The lack of training, or at least the lack of dedication to training, might be why you looked like the blobfish after 13 well, miles. I only have time to... The only time I have time to run is either at... 5.30 a.m. in the morning, or there are no other times. It's only 5.30 a.m. in the That's morning. That's fair. I, I I feel that feel. Um, this was a race for a cause, wasn't it? No. No? Okay. I know you guys have run it for causes. Christy dedicated, Christ, yeah. Christy dedicated herself to a cause, and uh, the last race we ran was for the uh, National Down Syndrome Association. And we we carry that cause forward, but this race itself was not dedicated gotcha. to that. I, cause. I I had seen your wife's posts and thought the whole race was yes. for a cause. But no, I, no. I know she she's we a, just we just run for that cause. So every race is a race for a cause for you. I like it. And like this it. this race was officially the uh, nihilist half marathon. Oh, okay. <laughs> they run for nothing. Uh, yeah, Ben Ben and Christie defied the uh, the edict of the uh, organizers. <laughs> by running for not nothing. You know what? Yes. I'm trying to make a big Lebowski joke, but I can't, I yep. can't pull one I was right going to go for it, but um, it's a little too close to home, that joke. So I'm just going to start the show. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. All of us are from blackandredunited.com covering DC United, U.S. soccer, and whatever else we feel like. Tonight, we are talking about DC United and the Major League Soccer playoffs. We're going to break down uh, a little bit more of DC United's 2017 season. We started last week, and we're going to, in the second segment, bring on a couple of friends to um, kind of reprise last week's second segment where we had uh, fans of uh, teams that are left in the playoffs try to dance for our love and try to impress us and make us support their team for the at least the rest of 2017. Probably not anything beyond that. 
So we'll have the Western Conference representatives on this week. Before we do anything, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I didn't have time to do very much, so I've got um, my uh, Evan Williams 1783 on the rocks. That's it. Yeah. That's not a bad drink. It was it was a hurry drink. That's fair. I've got plenty of, of those uh, in the past on this show. Ben, what are you drinking? I had uh, Diet Coke, and that's not a great drink. So I decided to... Uh, try and emulate my favorite of the Coca-Cola brand of products and try to make it into an alcoholic vanilla Coke. So I took vanilla vodka and put it with the Diet Coke and it's strong enough to actually remind me of vanilla Coke. And I, I love vanilla Coke. I know it's just like a sugary disaster, but I love it. So Wait, did, and this is a talking about like, okay. Approximate approximation. Are you talking about when Coke made the vanilla Coke in bottles, or are you talking about going to, like, a diner and ordering a vanilla Coke? No, I'm talking about the in bottles and cans okay. vanilla Coke. Okay. That was popular in the late 90s, early 2000s, and yep. is occasionally you're occasionally able to find it since then. I, I always thought it tasted a lot like a rum and Coke. Actually, yeah. Alcohol, which was very well, confusing. I, that might be why I when had, I, when I start had, drinking I had vanilla like Coke. I liked vanilla Coke a lot, and rum and Coke yeah, was, was my initial it. drink, and that's a large part of why I am not a rum drinker today. <laughs> and maybe it all goes back to vanilla Coke. That's what started the cycle. Could be. I am not drinking um, any Coke products. I'm drinking an almost all D.C. Uh, Manhattan, actually. Uh, Rock Creek Rye from 1-8 Distilling in Ivy City. Uh, Capitoline Rosé Vermouth from uh, Green Hat Distillery here in the district and Angostura Bitters, which is not from D.C., but I don't know of a D.C.-made bitters that approximates Angostura. So Be if the any, bitters you want to see in the world. Yeah, if any of our listeners know of uh, a, a bitters company in no, D.C. Adam, it's you. That makes, it's you. I want to know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crowdsource this. I will, I will no, look you're, for No, you're it. making bitters now. Oh, I have to make bitters. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is yes, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> okay, I might have to. I mean, I, I might try. We'll see. I don't know. I I don't have a still. Okay. I think you need a still to make bitters. You need you need to distill it. Be the change you want to see in see in the world. Be, well, right now, you're you're Adam Taylor's still building company, and soon you'll be Adam Taylor's bitter company. I think before I get to the bitters company, I'm going to be Adam Taylor's smoldering ruins of a house that exploded because that's what'll happen when i try to well, build a still just when when your wife the encounters you and it's like why did you blow the house up make sure that you take all of the responsibility and pin none of it on me or ben that doesn't seem very likely because we didn't make you do anything <laughs> knowing your lovely wife she won't blame us she'll blame you you're we're not wrong because we're known mis- we're we're known okay. we're known miscreants, and it, it would be your fault for believing us. We're so associating with us. Yeah, you're saying I shouldn't associate with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you've got to make your choices. You guys have been to my house. Why do you want to blow it up? <laughs> no, we don't want to blow it up. We want you to build the still and make bitters. It sounds like you want me to There's blow up my more house. than we want your house. How about how about I build a still at one of your fine houses? I can no. be I can be persuaded. <laughs> okay. All right. The Adam Taylor Still Building Company based at Jason Anderson's house. Sure. Coming to do you I, in 2018. Do I get some money from this? Uh, no. We'll we'll sign an agreement or something. We'll work it out. We'll have the All lawyers right. hash it out. That sounds that sounds like it's going to be You're a lawyer. Zero. This isn't Adam's field of law. We know this. <laughs> Is this law bird law? No. There's no Adam if this involves bird law, I'm out. <laughs> that might have to be the name of our still building and bitters company, uh, but it it does not involve bird law. I, I I think we could actually go on about this and figure this out over the course of an hour, but we don't have that kind of time. So let's go ahead and get into the sadness that was DC United's 2017. Last week, we tried to talk about all the terrible things that happened to DC United over this season and we couldn't do it not not for lack of trying but because no, we I'm ran not, out of time 
I'm not convinced we can finish it this week either, but we'll see. <laughs> we will find out. We will try our darndest. Turns out this season was was pretty bad, y'all. Uh, we did last week get through um, defense and and at least the more defensive side of of central midfield. So this week we're going to talk about the other side of the ball going forward. Um, and and let's keep it there. The in, even worse parts. Let's keep it there in central midfield to start where this year transition play through the middle of the field and especially possession play through the middle of the field were how to put this delicately lacking. They were not there so much. Even, even guys who were normally good passers in for whatever reason, when we tried to play through the middle this year, when DC United tried to do that, it, it just didn't work. Guys couldn't pass. They couldn't receive the ball in traffic. They couldn't dribble through anything in the middle part of the field. And at the same time, they allowed many transition opportunities to go through the center of midfield. The number of missed tackles by Marcelo alone is um, a number that's actually obscene. The FCC would shut us down if I said the number. That's how bad it is. So, Ben, I just, just continue to expound on this because I, I'm running out of words. I mean, yeah, I'm, as we talked about last week, it all started from the fact that there was no defensive midfielder for the first 12 games of the season. Because since Perry Kitchen left, there wasn't one, and Rob Vincent was hurt, and Marcelo is not a defensive midfielder. So there was just nobody, and it was painfully obvious. And Ian Harks had a good spell for a rookie hurt for a long time and didn't have the ability to grow into that position like we all hoped. And that that's basically the season. If you can't shut down the middle and your wings get overrun, they're just everywhere and they're scoring goals on you and they're propelling you to tied for the worst record in Major League Soccer. Jason, why couldn't the team hold onto the ball? Even, I mean, Ian Harks is a good passer. He's even a good forward passer. Um, Lucho Acosta can hit a pass. Marcelo can hit a pass when he when he needs to. In the past, he's you know had a good passing percentage. But outside of Nick DeLeon, it seemed like nobody could have a decent passing percentage, at least for the first part of the year. Once Knaus came in and settled things down, we saw some improvement. But what was wrong with this team? Why couldn't these guys who individually can pass really well, why couldn't they pass in any system that Ben Olsen ran out this year? Well, I think I, I wouldn't go so far as to say they couldn't pass at all. It was just that they found it hard to move the ball forward. Um, it was easy to contain DC United and make them play sideways and backward. Um, and we saw a lot of that. Um, part of that is just... Uh, a risk averse style of play that bleeds into let's keep the ball rather than take a risk with our passing. Um, but some of it is just, uh, it comes from a lack of uh, numbers available uh, in the attacking third, um, which goes back to the conservative style of play. If you are keeping people back uh, because you're thinking defense first, you're necessarily not going to have numbers when you go forward. So you have fewer people to pass to and, when you have fewer options to defend, the, your your opponent is going to have an easier time preventing you from, you know, getting to any of them. Um, so it kind of cascades down from from that point. Um, you know, that was a, that was a big part of it. Um, earlier in the season, uh, at when Patrick Nyako was unavailable, um, there was a lack of speed to keep teams back. Um, there was really a lack of speed until Paul Ariola arrived. Um, until from when Nyako went down to Ariola's arrival. DC United was slow going forward. Um, Patrick Mullins isn't very fast. Um, no one in the starting lineup was very fast. Um, and so it's easy to keep a team at bay when you don't have speed to stretch you out. Um, you don't have numbers. You know, they're not just throwing numbers forward and making it that difficult because it's just too many people to cover. Um, and so some of it was just down to, it's not a technical thing. It's a decision-making thing that the decisions that, lead to not many people going forward end up coming back to haunt you because you're trying to attack when you've got three guys forward and the other team has six or seven players back. They should be able to handle those numbers pretty consistently. It's very difficult to break a team down when you don't uh, 
you aren't able to get those players forward. And some of it is the tactics overall being conservative. Some of it is individual players not realizing when they need to go. Um, and uh, the mix of those things, you end up with a team that uh, towards the end of the season was actually doing a, a significantly better job. We started taking note of that as the games went on that um, there was a real effort to try and keep the ball and, and complete more passes and be something closer to uh, a better team to watch. But, you know, it, it was, you know, building from zero basically when all the other teams are, you know, firing on all cylinders, DC, when DC United is trying to almost go through a preseason on the fly. Um, and, and that's, that's part of it. And, and, you know, there is the issue of the defense not necessarily being the most gifted passers of the ball either. Um, when the first pass out of the back ends up going long, you're not really going to string together a bunch of passes from that. It's usually uh, not going to end with a 10 pass move. It's going to end with someone trying to win a second ball and, and maybe play someone through. Um, you know, I was, while I'm saying this, I'm scrolling through um, passing percentages on who scored.com. And I think Ian Harks finished uh, with the highest total on the team. And he was uh, around 95th overall in MLS. So that kind of underlines it is just that, there's not an, a big emphasis in keeping the ball for DC United style of play, which is fine. Last year when they were scoring a ton of goals, they weren't really focused on stringing together passes. They were looking to get through midfield very quickly and just be constantly uh, charging forward with numbers. This year they didn't have the numbers and they didn't really have that conviction going forward. So it ended up being very easy to defend them. They were very predictable. Um, once Nyako went down, that really robbed the team of um, – that extra edge, that extra X factor that confused defenses. And when you uh, attack a team that is not confused, they're generally going to take the ball from you. That's why soccer is a low scoring sport. It's much easier to defend. Um, If you don't give the other team something, a problem to solve, they're going to have an easy time dealing with you. And that was pretty much, uh, that was a big factor is just they United was easy to defend this year. So you mentioned Patrick Nyako's name a lot in there. Um, even though it was nominally a question about central midfield, that actually brings me to a point I wanted to bring up. I think Matt Doyle made this point several times. DC United got basically no minutes this year with all of Niarco, Lucho Acosta, and Patrick Mullins on the field together. Mm-hmm. And those were the three that, the kind of the three-headed monster that made last year's run-in successful at the end of 2016. Uh, the team was high scoring, very attacking, very direct and in a fun way. And they it's not that those three couldn't get on the same page this year. It's that injuries prevented them from playing as a unit. Basically ever. I don't know if they had a single minute. They might have had a few in one or two games, but I think that would be it. Um, how different do you think this year would have been? I, I guess this is this is a a silly hypothetical, but. The team didn't have the depth to to make up for that. And Ben, I don't really have a, a question that's not a hypothetical for you uh, on okay. these three, but what could have been done to overcome those injuries? Because you can't you can't prevent every injury. But well, I'm not. I'm gonna ignore. I'm, I'm gonna ignore my stupid question. question because, because, yeah, yeah, that's the right thing to do I'm, here. I'm going to. Yeah, um, I think what will happen is this off season with Zoltan Stieber in Patrick Nyako's place on the depth chart, allowing him th- that time to uh, gel with the team, to practice with the team, to get used to the team, to get used to playing in major league soccer, to get used to Patrick Mullins and Russell Canales and Paul Ariola and Lucio Acosta. That's going to help gel everything back together and give the team what it was missing because uh, Nyako was able to find that that spark with the team. Uh, he also came in uh, in midseason, but in such a situation that he was able to slot in quickly and help the team. Uh, when the, these the rest of these guys came in, it was at the end of a lost season, so it didn't. It, it took a little different. Uh, tack, but to 
to just their uh, their teammates, and whether or not that involves a new striker, and we can talk about that later. Um, it's going to be better. It's going to be quicker. It's going to be more incisive. Because I think you could tell, especially with uh, the new signings, they were looking for balls that and looking for passes and looking for runs that the rest of the team just wasn't thinking about. They weren't. Uh, they hadn't. They weren't used to players making those runs. They weren't used to that. And so, giving everybody some time together this off season, hopefully, we're going to see a more uh, direct and incisive United come twenty eighteen. Uh, the last thing I think we have time to talk about before we uh, go to our season review, cake or death, is the finishing. We talked about the build-up some and, and the possession play, but even when those were working, the finishing this year from everybody, Mullins on down, really, really wasn't. Um, Patrick Mullins might have been the most... Mullins might have been the most snake bit, especially knowing what he can do. Up until he had four goal or five goals in two games, four of them in in one night. Jason, is there an explanation for the finishing woes this team had, or was it just a, a another byproduct of this cursed, cursed year? Um, I think it depends on what player you're talking about. Um, with Mullins, I think uh, his preseason didn't go very well. His start to the season didn't go very well. He kind of got in his own head even before he got hurt early in the season. Then he got hurt, and he's out for a while. Um, he came back and got immediately injured again. Um, and by that time, by the time he was back from that second injury, that knee injury he picked up in Vancouver, I think it was, um, it was already like June or July uh, by then. Um, and he ne- he just never got a chance to get himself in a confident place. And we all know goal scorers can be affected by that kind of thing, and it looked like it really affected him because – He's never had a significant injury um, since he was playing, even at, even at the University of Maryland. He wasn't having that kind of problem. Um, he'd never had to deal with an injury absence or a crisis of confidence, and he had to deal with both at the same time. Um, and I think that weighed on him. And I also think that we saw once he scored a goal that uh, you know the weight of the world was off his shoulders. He ended up that, finishing that game with four goals, and one of them was from a free kick, which is not even his thing. Um so we can see what confidence does for um, goal scorers. Um, Deshaun Brown, I, I still I'm going to hammer away at this. I don't think we ever saw him at the correct position uh, for him or his best position. Out of ne- at first, it was out of necessity. Um, there, at a certain point, he was literally the only forward on the roster um, when Mullins was was uh, injured as well um, and before the uh, transfer window opened. Um, so some of it I understood, but eventually it. it the fact that he never played a wide role, um, I think he ended up having a lot of scoring chances that aren't his bread and butter. Um, certain players just have that. We know um, Justin Merrim in the uh, one of the last games of the season scored the typical Justin Merrim goal on DC United. Um, we've seen him score that a ton of guy- times. Chris Pontius had the Pontius special, which is actually kind of a similar goal to Merrim's. Um, Brown doesn't really – he never really – landed on anything that seemed like his kind of goal. Um, he just seemed sort of uh, off by having to run the channels and, and um, even being asked to play back to goal some of the time. It's just not really his game, and he never got his feet under him. Um, and I don't know if this was just uh, misuse leading to him getting the wrong kind of chances um, or if he never got confident or both. Um yeah, you know, the further down the roster you go, we know that Lucho isn't the best finisher. Um, we know that uh, Ian Harks had some very bad luck. Um, he probably should have before he got his first goal. He probably should have already had three or four. Um, and it was you know things hitting the crossbar, getting blocked off the line, stuff like that. Um, so some of it was for certain players was a luck thing. Some of it was. Um, just not the right chances falling to the right guy. Uh, it was, it was really, a, it was really a wide ranging mix depending on who you're talking about. Um, and not having Niako uh, again, that's three or four goals off the table. Um, Lloyd Sam wasn't quite getting in as many goal scoring positions as he was in the past. So maybe that's a form thing more than anything else. Um, the set piece play wasn't uh, very productive all year long. 
Um, Canals by himself probably could have had two or three more goals if just luck. Yeah, um, his way. which is which is a good sign that he's able to, even though he's playing that position, he's able to find those moments to get forward. And, and a lot of them involve headers, which for a guy his height is kind of odd, but um, he's getting free. Uh, he's got the, the, the thought process, the awareness to know that he can get to a ball and get, get there in time where he's not even going to be challenged, which means it doesn't matter that he's not that tall. It's actually um, kind of similar to Dax McCarty's area right. prowess, where he's, um, he's the best un- at finding uncontested headers for right. a very short person to, to take. Right. And so, you know, all of those things not being in place, not having a set-piece threat to carry the team goal-wise when they otherwise couldn't score, um, that didn't help. And then, you you know, once the t- season starts to go, you know, confidence drops for everybody, which is why they were so often – you know, they would have good patches in a game and then something would go wrong and then they would fold. Um, and I think that lack of confidence throughout the team also extends to goal scoring because that's other than maybe arguably goalkeeping, that's the most confidence based thing there is. Um, and DC United, I, I don't think we can say, I don't think they look confident at any part this entire season. So when you throw that in, it's, it's a lot of little things all adding up um, on the goal scoring front. And, you know, if this team had figured it out mid-season, maybe the East might have been too difficult, but they wouldn't have finished last, I don't think. But they just never really figured it out. Even when they had the three-game winning streak, um, they left some goals on the table in those three games. They were all one nothing wins that could have been uh, more substantial wins if they were sharper in front of a goal. All right, we're going to do this lightning round style, just like last week. It's time for cake or death. Lightning round! Thank you, Ben. We're starting with... The aforementioned Russell Knaus, defensive midfielder brought in from Germany, American, 22-year-old, has some caps with the under-23s, not with the senior national team, although his play for DC United got him some shouts that he he should be brought in for January camp, if if not for this current camp against Portugal, which we're not really talking about tonight. Um, ben, cake or death for Russell goat. Knaus? Goat. You goat. say cake. M- much goat. All the goat because uh, he was wonderful when he came in. He filled the role that nobody had since Perry Kitchen, and he might even be better than Perry Kitchen. I think he's better with the ball than Perry Kitchen. I say cake. Bring him back next year, thousand percent. Jason, uh, this is the maybe the easiest of all of them. This is goat uh, for sure. I mean, we saw it right away that he changed the team at both ends, uh, made it easier for them to defend, easier for them to go forward. Uh, he's made of the right stuff mentally. It just seems like there's nothing, there's no question marks with him. Uh, there's one lone voter on Black and Red United, uh, the poll. Oh, it's two. Who, Ben, yeah, I think I, you, I, you put I, it very well I, in the I'm comments. I'm both of them. Yes, it's some bullshit Major League Baseball Hall of Fame shit. And if you're voting just so it's not 100%, you're dead to me and I will find you. I like making Ben angry sometimes. Are we sure this isn't just like one random Red Bulls fan? (laughs) We're not. I don't care. I will find them too. I will hunt them down. I have a specific set of skills, and I will find them. Just for the record, Ben does not have a specific set of skills, and he will not find anyone. I do have a specific set of skills. Unless they are historical figures. It may not not involve murder. I'm not an archivist. So I will find you. If you're listening, I will find you. Well, after that, we should just soldier on and forget all about it. Steve Clark is next on Cake or Death. I'll find him too. We'll we'll give Ben a second to decompress. Jason, Steve Clark, goalkeeper who came in uh, this year, backed up Bill Hamid um, for a while, took over at the end of the year. Um, Definite improvement on the depth chart for for number two goalkeeper, but he comes into 2018 as the presumptive starter at this point. Cake or death, do you want him back next year? Uh, Right now, I have got to say goat. Um, I think there's something to be said for Clark's uh, attitude, and we we talked about confidence a lot already. He is extremely confident without being cocky or arrogant. Um, which this team could use. Um, but I also want to see competition for him. And I, and 
I want my hypothesis that he was rusty coming in at the end of the season because he was off for several months before he signed. Um, I want that proven because right now it is a hypothesis rather than something that I'm sure of. Um, so goat, but you know, qualified goat. I agree, except on the terminology, of course. Um, cake, bring him back, get him some competition, especially n- not just like token good guy to push him in training, but someone who will actually compete for an open goalkeeping position, which we haven't had at, at DC United for a while. Um, Bill Hamid's just had the position on lock, and rightfully so. But now but it, it needs Hamid, to be a competition. Troy Perkins. Troy Perkins didn't even have a competition. Yeah, he he, he got displaced by Bill Hamid as a rookie. <laughs> ben, cake or death for Steve Clark? Cake, but I agree with you all. There needs to be a competition. Like, if DC United can get somebody like Clint Irwin, uh, maybe as, as competition for Steve Clark, that would be great because both of them can be MLS quality starters uh, and in the top third to, to quarter of the league. So if you have both of them in there, it's going to bring out the best of both of them. And that would be uh, great. But somebody of that quality is who DC United needs to bring in because they're obviously not going to find somebody of Bill Hamid's quality. So they need to have two people in the Steve Clark, Clint Irwin level so that they are all pushing each other throughout the season. Next up, DC United's Jack of all trades. Nick DeLeon played central midfield last year, was an attacking outside midfielder in previous seasons. This year, though, he was mostly a fullback on the right side, a little bit on the left side, and also played some midfield from time to time. He was all over the place, and he he's a guy who can play you know, nine or ten positions on the field and that's not a bad necessarily a bad thing in a salary cap league. Ben, do you want Nikki back next year? Cake or death? Uh, definitely cake. He's a great utility player and I, I'd, I'd be fine with having him back even if he's not starting anywhere, but you have to have him. He's a uh, great depth all across the field in like 17 different positions which is impressive because they're only 11 on the field. Jason. Uh, I mean, this one's pretty straightforward. I think goat. Um, I think De Leon is the best right back on the team at the moment. Um, granted, he is a little older than, uh, than Chris Odeachim, Um, But I think if anything, I think that De Leon not starting more consistently at right back throughout the year was a negative though. Some of those times it was, you know, Taylor Kemp was out for a while. Uh, De Leon took over left back while he was while Kemp was out um, for the most part. Um, but yeah, he's probably right now without any additions. He should be the starting right back. If DC United had a game tomorrow, um, that's what I would want to see. If it was a competitive game, let's just assume it's a game that actually uh, carried some weight. Um, the fact that he can play all over is certainly a big help too. And and um, I don't think we're looking at too expensive of a uh, prospect either there. So uh, I'm going to say a very solid goat. I agree. Nikki, he, he improved at right back over the course of the year. He's been a conversion project the last two years at two pretty different positions. And by the end of the year looked, looked pretty okay at it. Um, I, I, I think it's worth noting that every year he's been on this team, um, there's been someone to compete with him at whatever position he's been pegged at. And he's always found a way to force his way into the starting 11. And, and he doesn't always look like he's working harder than everyone else, but he usually I think is, and his passing is probably as, at least as far as retention, the best on the team, his passing percentage is always through the roof, no matter where he is on the field. And um, that's not a bad thing to have. Uh, last one, we got to keep get this super quick so we can move on to the next segment. Sean Franklin, I wish we had more time to to devote to him because it's it's worth discussing. Should we bump him to next week? Let's do it. We're gonna do this as a tease. Sean Franklin next week on on filibuster cake or death. Uh, for now, though, we are going to sign off and be right back with a couple friends of ours to talk about the Western Conference Final. Stick around. This is filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. 
depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Last week, we previewed the Easter con- Eastern Conference final. The Easter Conference? That's not a thing. The Beastern Conference. Yeah, with Kristen Knowles and Josh Mlott pitching us on backing Toronto FC and Columbus Crew for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, whatever you decided from that or whatever information you gleaned from that, time to forget about it just for a little while because this week, it's the West's turn. Unfortunately... Uh, some some technical difficulties are keeping us from recreating that segment entirely. I hate the internet. We had Dave Clark from Sounder at Heart and the No Sadiades podcast uh, lined up, and he was trying to get on, and we could hear him just fine, but the technology was not bringing our sound to his ears, so it wouldn't. Get, it wasn't going to be a very good segment of radio. So we are going to forge ahead with the other half of the segment, uh, which is Alicia. The better half. I, I was hoping you would say that. Uh, that voice belongs to Alicia Tolar from DynamoTheory.com. She's a regular guest here every time DC plays Houston. And, you know, now that Houston's in the Western Conference Final, she's on to to represent the Dynamo there. Alicia, welcome back. Hi, guys. How's it going? You know, except for the season <laughs> being well, over you know. and otherwise terrible and the technical difficulties and other various things in the world. Pretty good. Except for most things. Good except for everything sucks. Yeah, yeah that's, basically. That's a much more concise way of putting Situation it. Situation yes. normal. All right. Nothing's changed with you guys. <laughs> uh, and on that note, what are you drinking? <laughs> um, I am drinking a Hefeweizen from Bozone, which is a local brewery here. So, yep. Is that in Bozeman, Montana? It is. Have I do you see what they did there with the, the name, Ben? Before. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, I probably told the story before, but have I told you my uh, scarring middle school experience in Bozeman, Montana? I don't think so. I don't think I've heard this either. <laughs> okay, so I'll tell a brief story. Um, we were driving back from Canada uh, like on a long cross-country <laughs> road trip from Ohio. Because my parents like to take long car trips when I was a uh, middle schooler. Because that's what you do when you're in the Midwest. You drive Torture to your other children. places. No, you drive to other places that aren't the Midwest. Um, and we stopped for gas in Bozeman, Montana. And I got out of the car as a middle schooler and was trying to go to the bathroom in this random gas station. And I turned on the light in the bath gas gas station bathroom. And apparently someone was just in the bathroom in the gas station in the dark and yelled at me from the stall. And he said, get the fuck out of here. And uh, so I did not pee in that bathroom. And I did not pee for many hours later uh, because I was so terrified as a youth uh, that I did not pee in all of Montana. So that is my experience with Bozeman. Are you sure there was only one person in that bathroom? No, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, have a story about Bozeman, Montana. So um, I, how's that? Half? I think I think last time I was on, it was right around the time there was a bear in yeah, the high school. This is what I was going to ask about. <laughs> <laughs> is the Which bear still live, in the high school? He hasn't been back, but I do live directly across the street from the high school. So like my front yard was literally 
literally on the news coverage of it leaving the high school. So that was pretty exciting. Did, did you ride the bear? Did you like get a little uh, saddle for it and ride I, it into the mountains? I can't say that I've ever ridden a bear. So nope, I have not. My um, question is, is um, whether, whether the state counted the bear's failure to return against the high school in its attendance numbers. Um, it's debatable. It might have actually. <laughs> Freaking um, but state there's over board of education. There's overcrowding issues with the high school here, so they actually might have been glad that it didn't come back because they didn't really have room for him. Um, they Very also let student. They also open up the doors for the ducks to cross through the school. Um, Wait, it's really? An, yeah, it's an annual thing where. There's this mother duck in the area that crosses through with her ducklings every year. I'll find the article on it and send it to you guys. Yeah, we're going to need some video. <laughs> please, from please, yeah. on that. please. It's, oh, there's video. Because I've seen it. I have never taken it, but I have seen it. I will find it for you guys for sure. That is way more delightful than anything that happened to DC United this year. I, well, I mean, you can't really beat ducks walking through the high school escorted by yeah. the principal. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So let's turn but, to you your know. dynamo. <laughs> Soccer. Soccer. Good transition. Much, yeah, you know. Screw it. We're just going to jump in. Yeah, uh, you know. So here in D.C., we um, we can hold a grudge with, with the best of them. Maybe not the best of them, but we're second-tier grudge holders here in D.C. And back in 2012, God, your Houston Dynamo. This is Dynamo, the one thing the guys you can bring up every time. It's all oh, you and, have to come yeah. to. It, yeah. I mean – our, our teams haven't met a lot in the playoffs, but back when you were in the Eastern Conference, uh, Andre Hayno committed a red card offense that was not red carded, and then he scored the tying goal, and Houston went on to to win. And there, there was a lot that led up to that game, too. So we were in kind of a fragile emotional state anyway. Not a lot of sleep. Uh, like you lots still of are. drinking. Yeah, you know, no, not so a lot now. has really changed. No. No, it hasn't. It so, so my it, question... It, <laughs> My question for you is, what is something lovable about your Dynamo that could make us forget um, the pain and emotional scarring of, of 2012? Do you have ducks that, that go through the stadium escorted by Wilmer Cabrera, for instance? Or is there anything we else have, lovable about your team? We have hurricane flooding that happens at the stadium. Yeah, that's more sad. <laughs> That's more like awful global warming. Happy positive. We're not Seattle. I feel like that's a pretty high happy positive thing. Yeah. It's a little less but they can also say that about they could also say that about Houston. Yeah, but which one would you rather not be? I don't know if you're gonna no, want the answer. Don't to answer that. that though. That was rhetorical. <laughs> that was rhetorical. <laughs> no, so what's what's something good and fun? about about the dynamo this year that that a neutral might be able to latch on to they are way more fun to watch than they have been in past seasons in terms of scoring threat and their counter attacking abilities um admittedly the dynamo especially under Kinnear had been you know kind of boring to watch at times um Kinnear team yeah Yeah. which which yeah which isn't to say that doesn't still happen because you know it's soccer but they're definitely a more well-rounded and more entertaining team than we have had in previous seasons, for sure. So, there's that. Unless we're playing RSL, and then you don't want to watch that. That's just painful. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch RSL. That's also true. Jason? Uh, Alicia, I guess, looking back over what's going on in the playoffs, um, Houston has kind of benefited from... Uh, maybe maybe the other teams they've played so far have been in their own having their own problems. Uh, Portland having virtually everybody on their entire roster getting hurt. Um, uh, we have injuries too, you guys. We do. Uh, you do almost as many as Portland. Um, actually losing. Uh, we have injuries. We have arrests. Come on, we're missing people. <laughs> Uh, so uh, maybe my first question is who's actually going to be able to be available to show up for the first leg at this point? That's an excellent question. (laughs) 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 Um, the Honduran players will be gone 
for international competition, but they should be back. Mm. Um, but because of that, I don't know how much time we'll actually see Elisa Kyoto on the field. It might hamper some of the time. They might not start, which would definitely be a detriment that, to the Dynamo, yeah, not that, having those guys. Loss, especially at yeah. least. Um, because those guys are playing Australia in a World Cup playoff. Yep. Um, and they're having to go to Australia to do that at one point, which is not exactly yep. an easy thing to do. Yeah. If only the U.S. were in that situation. Eh, well, you know. You win some, you lose some. Or you lose all of them. Right. Yeah! <laughs> oh, you guys are never going to let me come back on. Um, <laughs> Remember, you're trying <laughs> to convince us and our listeners to support your team. You probably should have had Derek come on because he's way more glassful and happy than me. <laughs> you picked the wrong person for that. Let me just tell you. <laughs> um, we do have um, Machado did turn down his call up. He's actually going to stay with the team um, for the playoffs because he was originally going to be gone. Um, so he will still be with the team. Kubo Torres will still be with the team, but he hasn't really done much for the Dynamo lately. Um, Joe Willis will likely be starting in goal since Tyler Derrick is currently on suspension. I shouldn't laugh, but, uh, um, we, we do love angry Joe Willis. I know. Here, I know so. how much you guys love Joe. So, and you know, I saw a lot of non dynamo people tweeting, Oh, that's just going to kill the dynamo, not having Derrick, but really Willis is not much, if any of a drop off from Derrick. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Excuse me for being presumptive, but Tyler Derrick isn't that good. He's not he's, like he's really good. He, he's not like he's really good when he's good, but when he's bad, he's really bad. And there's right, but he's not yeah. like obviously better than Joe Willis. He's no. not like four steps better than Joe Willis. No, I personally would pick him to start over Joe Willis, but it's it's a sure. close call. It's not like leaps and bounds or anything. It's not like Bill Hamid. Yeah, like I have like I have no concerns with Willis stepping in. With Derek still on suspension. And who knows, maybe something will happen and they'll end his suspension, but I don't think anyone's really counting or expecting that to happen right now. So, um, and I don't even know who we're going to have on defense at this point. <laughs> um, will Andre Hano be out there? You never know. <laughs> uh, you know. Is he even playing soccer at this point? I don't think that he's playing anymore. Because did he go back to Scotland and then who knows what happened after that? Yeah, he kind of disappeared into the abyss. Um, Good. Because for a while I kind of tried to keep up with former players, but sometimes it's they just it's a little too hard when they go overseas. Especially Scotland. Yeah. As we know from Perry Kitchen. Yeah. He's currently playing in the German third Liga, mm. which uh, I- at least according to uh, Wikipedia here. Oh, well, if Wikipedia says it, then it must be yeah, true. Wikipedia says he's in the German third division. Oh, there you go. So Presumably pulling down co- attacking players who are in on the goalkeeper. Well, you know, <laughs> got to do what you got to do. It could well be Rafael Augusto as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Augusto might be in that third division too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have a question about the central defense, because when I first started watching soccer at all, it was, I watched Everton in the 2008-2009 era, and Philippe Senderos started playing for Everton in that at that time, and he was over the hill then, and this is the... The year 2017, this is seven to eight years later, and Philippe Sendros is still apparently around and starting for uh, the Houston Dynamo. And just like, how and why and how is this a good idea? I have to eat a little crow on this one because I thought it was a very bad idea. And he really had not done that well for the Dynamo, Um, but he came up really good since the playoffs have started. Um, he was, I think, even captain last game, which was a bit of a head-scratcher. But um, he actually really helped the defense against Portland because um, we have had a lot of turnover, especially on defense. Um, Demarcus Beasley was out injured. AJ Delagarza has a torn ACL, so he's out. Um, so he's actually 
ended up playing really well, which I was not expecting. In but how? I don't know. How does Vicente Sanchez play as well as he does? He's even older. I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he does backflips and shit. So <laughs> I, is he going to break himself? I don't know. Maybe he hasn't yet. He hasn't. I'm actually. I never thought I would say this, but I really don't want him to leave next year, even though he'll be even closer to 40 next year. But um, because Sanchez has turned into a secret weapon, maybe not so secret anymore. But um, yeah. I, you know, a couple games ago, I would have told you Cinderos is old and he can't help the team, and he was a waste of a spot. Um, I wouldn't go that far anymore because he has done really well in the playoffs for us. Um, I don't know that he's dp level (laughs) that he's worth keeping around (laughs) um on a dp spot but um he's come up big when we needed it in the playoffs uh alicia speaking of players that are coming up big right right now um especially um i've noticed that eric alexander after being not really a factor for quite a while has suddenly sort of found himself back in the team and all of a sudden the dynamo are uh, showing a little more consistency and they're putting things together. How much is that him changing things and how much of that is just him walking in right as the team's hitting some stride? I think it's a combination of the two. He, again, another one, he's been amazing. Um, He was amazing for us against Portland. Um, Part of his issue has been injuries, you know, and getting put on the bench in favor of other players. But um, Wilmer has been huge on rotating the lineup every single week. <laughs> I don't think we have had the same two lineups yet this season. Um, so I think it's worked to Alexander's advantage at this point that we are starting to have more holes due to injury, you know, and his and Wilmer's typical squad rotation um, that it's kind of all come together at the right time for him. So. Jumping back to Blast from the Past, because that's apparently what I'm on about today. today. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's fair. Um, that's fair. Uh, is Rico Clark going to play any role in, in this game? And is he going to stomp on anybody? Is really I'm always question. hoping for a good stomp from, R- from Rico, I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, that's fair. I mean, who would who would you Seattle, like to see play the role of Carlos Ruiz if he does stomp on somebody again? That's a really good. Who from question. Seattle would be El Pescadito in this relationship? That's a really good question. Hmm. Is it Deuce? It kind of might be Deuce. <laughs> it's not Ozzy Alonso. No. Ugh. Or or the former Dynamo, Will Bruin? No, it's not Will Bruin. I was not a Will Bruin hater. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't like when he. I never had. Will, I don't Will like Bruin. when he scores on us, but I'm not a Will Bruin hater. <laughs> I mean, I I only have dislike for Will Bruin because he always scored on DC United, but he seems too too doofy to actually hate. Yeah, I felt like he got unfairly um, nailed by a lot of Dynamo fans because. The problem is he needed a midfield to get him the ball. He's not a creator. He needs someone to get him the ball. Bears are not meant to be on islands, as I would always say. Um, They're meant to be in high schools, as we discussed. Exactly. Um, So to me, that was always the problem for Bruin, is that he didn't have a great partner like what he needed to be successful consistently. So, yeah, that's my little Bruin defense. But But now he plays for... But who should Rico stomp on? To get back to the important, the important part of the conversation. Part of the conversation. Um, and and really, do you, will he play at all, or is he uh, bench material at best at this? He's point? been starting for most of the season. It seems like over the last couple of weeks um, and the last month of the season that he has been on the bench more. But I've kind of given up trying to predict what Wilmer's going to do because I'm pretty much always wrong. He pretty much never does what I think he's going to do. And his rotations are so, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like he just throws a dart at the roster and he's like, all right, sweet. That's who the dart hit. That's who's going to start this time. Um, I'm sure he's more precise about it than that. But that's what it feels like to an outsider who doesn't always have the insight. Uh Um, 
Well, as a team that didn't make the playoffs, uh, whatever a system is, it, it, it it's working it okay. And it's and it's actually one of the things like we've written about it, you know, that, you know, and a lot of people have said he needs to stop doing it. They need more consistency. He needs to start rolling out the same lineups. And it's like, well, I'm just going to shut up now because you got us to the playoffs <laughs> and we're in the finals. So you just do whatever you need to do and I'll just sit here and be wrong. <laughs> if it- I mean, there's something actually to uh, – changing so much that might actually make him a good playoff coach because he's so prepared to tailor things Mm -hmm. for uh, a specific opponent or a specific game that it doesn't make sense during the regular season. It's like, I really would love to see continuity, but now that you've gotten this far, it's like actually being uh, comfortable with this is it has its benefits. I mean, he's got Dylan Remick scoring goals and and what a story that would be if he scored against his former team in Seattle. And Remick's been awesome for us Mm -hmm. when he's played. Um, it hasn't been a huge drop off between him and Beasley. Um, he's definitely a player. I think a lot of people would like to see us move to next year as the main starter. Uh, I guess since we're talking about players that are being rotated for reasons that are sometimes hard to, to sort out, um, what's going on with the constant cycling of Kubo Torres and Moro Minotas? That has been part of his plan from mm-hmm. the beginning to rotate the two. Um, I would like to see less Kubo, Kubo Torres because he hasn't done much for us. Most of the time I forget he's on the field, um, which is terrible, <laughs> but I do. Um, cause I was told that Cabrera is the Kubo whisperer. Like he scored goals and that was it. He did. He's, yeah, he started off the season really hot and we thought, man, maybe you know this was what he needed was – he needed Wilmer and like, it's going to be great. And then he just kind of fizzled out and has never started scoring again. And he's not creating for other players. He's just really absent. Um, with Minotas, he's a player that a lot of us have expected him to become our striker for the future. Um, and he's not by any means perfect. There's definitely some work he needs to do. Um, as far as not skying his shots and taking the time to set up his shots. Um, but he at least is creating and trying, whereas it doesn't even feel like Kubo even takes sh- poor shots at this point. <laughs> so. Uh, I guess, I guess um, we didn't get the same chance to see him in person, um, but Houston signed uh, a pretty significant piece of the puzzle when they added Tomas Martinez. How is he fitting in as the number 10 now? He's been fitting in really well. Actually, the game against Portland, I think, was one of the first times that we really saw, or the two games against Portland, where they have really started to figure out how to play with him, um, and particularly how to set him up with Alex, um, because he kind of came in and took over the position that Alex had been playing in, but Alex was never a true number 10. Um, so it's been good to see them kind of figure it out. He has also started to create more in the midfield, which has always been a struggle Mm -hmm. for the Dynamo. Um, and I think as he's started to learn how to play with, um, at least in Kyoto, you know, we're going to start seeing more and more goals from that, those combinations. I I guess uh, I'm going to steal one of my questions from last week. Dave isn't here to offer his perspective on uh, the Seattle side of this, but uh, what is it? What what's going to keep me entertained when when this game is on? When I'm watching it, what's going to keep me entertained? Why are the Dynamo the team that I'm going to find myself preferring to see more of? Because they're great to watch on the counter attack. As long as they're able to play the game they want to play. Um, they have what it takes to beat Seattle. They beat them at the start of the year. Um, so I think they have a really good shot at taking Seattle down, which everyone wants to see happen anyways. Do you think they're going to be able to play on the counter in this first leg? They're going to be at home. Seattle is probably going to just sit yeah. back themselves. Is, is this going to turn into the the Simpsons version yeah. of soccer where it's just the midfield passing it to themselves. I really hope not because I really hate watching those kind of games. Um, and yeah, that has kind you, of he's already, he's already done this Western yeah. Conference playoffs in particular. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so has Seattle. Both teams um, have already done this. So why is that not going to happen? That is the key to 
disrupting the dynamo and keeping them from scoring. Um, but I think because of how it didn't work out for Portland, you know, Portland kind of opted to just, you know, let it play out as it was in Houston and then really try and beat them on their home turf. Um, you know, they showed that, you know, Houston's road record in the regular season is not the same as Houston's road record in the playoffs. So to try and wait to get Houston back on your own turf is a dangerous game to play. So last week, I don't remember if it was Ben or Jason, somebody asked about mascots last week. (laughs) That was me. That was Ben. And I'm going to steal Ben's question this week, especially because Ben and Jason nonsensically uh, insist on calling a certain season review uh, segment Goat or Fox. I want to hear. I thought you were going to say bad things about uh, Crew Chameleon, which I was not going to accept. How could I say bad things about Crew Chameleon? I don't know. I didn't know where you're going with it. I'm going with you guys insisting on calling Cake or Death by a different name, Goat or Fox, for reasons passing understanding. Um, and and I think Alicia would be interested to know that Fox is the bad one of of those. And I want to know well, what you have I to say. You don't have to clarify. Everyone knows that Fox is bad. I don't think that's true. I think, I think the comparison is almost goat nobody recognizes you're choosing yeah, a goat. I don't think that's how that works, guys. So, so tell us about the virtues of Dynamo's mascot. Yeah. Dynamo Diesel, Diesel the is fox. that what it is? He's awesome. And he's fast, obviously, because he's a fox. <laughs> okay. Are foxes fast? Yeah, and they're cute. Faster they're than cute goats. and cuddly. Or, or, if they, or are they only fast if they're diesel powered? They're extra fast if they're diesel powered. <laughs> is, is this a robotic diesel powered no, fox? he's a real fox. Oh, he's a, did he just drink a lot before? <laughs> he should. You know like, what? Drink some Everclear. If you you know, have some to walk around in a hundred degree Houston heat in that that costume. You better be more than drunk. I, I, I choose not to. You get a pass. You, you you do what you have to do to survive. At that point, I think you're right. Um, I don't know. This reminds me of there was a, a Russian experiment to d- domesticate foxes. Are you familiar with this? And do you have no. a pet fox? I do not have a pet fox. There are several people around here that have pet wolves. Um, That's what? what? No. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, no, 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 no. You, you, can't, you can't. No. How why, is it not a thing? a thing? I mean, wolves are like dogs. It can bite, it can bite your face off. It so can bite your face chihuahua. off. Okay. I would be willing... <laughs> That's why I don't have one of those either. I would bet a chihuahua would be way more likely to bite your face off than a wolf. That's why I don't have either of those things. Mountain life. I, I'm, I, I'm going to no, challenge that I'm, assumption. I, I, by the way, I, I keep, I keep, I don't accept I keep my that. face. I keep my face. More, I accept that Ben likely. wants to keep his face. I don't accept that a chihuahua is more likely to bite your face off than a wolf. They are way meaner. If it's in your house. Are are we going to make uh, a dynamo mascot that's a chihuahua or a wolf or both? No, we already have a fox mascot. We're good. Well, okay. Crew Cat is is accommodating Crew Chameleon uh, <laughs> since we brought up that. Um, I mean, Crew Cat isn't officially doing that. We just badger. You just do it on your uh, own, as with most things. People, and yeah, I, I think that settles it. The, the new Dynamo mascot's going to be a badger. <laughs> or a mushroom mushroom. Does, <laughs> does the badger carry a, chame- uh, a, or a chameleon, a uh, chihuahua? <laughs> Um, yes, no, I can. Okay, no, it definitely can. A badger carrying a chihuahua is going to be Diesel the <laughs> in, Fox's in new sidekick. Dynamo jersey, of course. <laughs> what have I done? Um, both of them are wearing Dynamo jerseys. The chihuahua is also wearing a Dynamo jersey, even though that's a very LA thing to do. It's it's happening in Houston. Or is the chihuahua in a Dynamo bag? Oh, that would be even more LA. You're that's right. That's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> And now Alicia's willing to root for the Sounders. We've, we're trying to make the playoffs uh, interesting for ourselves, so we've got to we've got to get weird. Get weird, you guys are always weird. Yeah. If only so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I have no argument against can't. that. <laughs> yeah, 
Ben, do you have any more questions, or should I should I get to a closing argument? Nah, get get us <laughs> out of here. Us. All right, closing argument, Alicia. <laughs> what is the single best reason DC United fans, in particular, should hop on your bandwagon? And Dave's not here to defend himself. We'll hopefully have him on next week. But why should they choose you and not Seattle? Why Andre no longer plays for the Dynamo, so you can root for the Dynamo without having to worry about. Rooting for the redhead, and we <laughs> and rooting or for rooting Dom for Dime Kinnear or any of the things that you didn't like are all gone for the most part. So just allow yourselves to enjoy soccer, some fun winning soccer. <laughs> See now it's sad. <laughs> that, that seemed more like a barb than it. Uh, so you're you're selling us so much as just. You know, I told you guys you should have had Derek on if you wanted someone happy and positive. <laughs> I feel like we just got hit on by a pickup artist a little bit. I feel bad about myself, and I might be willing to go home with Alicia. Shit, I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia, uh, the, the those fans, uh, the, those listeners of ours who are still. Uh, listening and and willing to follow you online. Um, tell them where they can find you. <laughs> Dynamo Theory is where I write the blog. Um, my personal is Dynamo TNT, which I'm going to post video of the ducks walking through Bozeman High School right now. Um, so you should come <laughs> see the ducks. Yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm here for the ducks. Find us. Find us on blackandredunited.com. We're also on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Uh, we're on Patreon. If you feel like supporting us financially, do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, the podcatcher mm. of your choice, and also the Internet Archives because of our our don't call him an archivist, Ben. Uh, I'm still an archivist, but also other things. <laughs> Once an archivist, right, Ben? Exactly. Uh, mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show. That's the, the best thing you can possibly do for us. We will talk to you real soon. Until then, for Jason and Ben, and thanking Alicia one more time, I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason. Kill the machines! And we poison their Right, they are dead. Humans are dead. They look like they're dead. It had to be done. I'll just confirm that they're dead. So that we could have fun. Affirmative. I poked one. It was dead.